Alright all you movie junkies and cinephiles, it's time for the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. And welcome, one and all, to episode 365 of the SLS Cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Zed and Katy Perry episode of the SLS Cast, because it turns out that there is a song by the Russian-German music producer Zed and American singer Katy Perry that was released back on Valentine's Day of just last year. And the song is called 365. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, and with that wonderful little bit of 365 song knowledge, I, of course, am Matt. And coming to us all the way from sunny California would be a resident Sony employee, Tim. So you're telling me that on our 365th episode, it took us mm-hmm. till now to bring up Katy Perry and Zed, we couldn't find anything else to say in place of anything relating to Katy Perry and Zed. In some way, I feel like a reputation is tarnished. Well, I figure if we're going to go out, we may as well go out the same way we came in, which is not knowing what the hell we're doing. <laughs> uh, yes, we, we played stupid incredibly well for these seven plus years 365 episodes non-stop weekly entertainment well i mean if you want to call it entertainment <laughs> um since december of 2012 we have gone non-stop ladies and gentlemen non-stop and i'm sure there's people out you. there going but wait if you were going non-stop 365 weeks since december 2012 why is your 365th episode premiering in January? Well, I will say this, folks. Uh, Matt and I had dreams at one point. We had dreams of building the SLS cast into its own network of various short-form podcasts. Therefore, we played around with different types of episodes where we just focused on particular subjects and those were released instead of the sls cast episodes but since we were both a part of those episodes you know we i mean it was still non-stop weekly episodes featuring our lovely voices or your lovely voice <clears throat> well i mean you know the dulcet tones as they have come to call them um no but also you gotta remember that it's 52 weeks in a year so it does kind of roll off over time given certain weeks have five certain months have five weeks and stuff like that so i mean it it does tend to you know work work its way through um and let's see you're making our show sound like a bowel movement you know, eventually it will work its way through until it reaches that point where That's it right. just makes sense. That's right. And if we're really trying to get to purely exactly eight years, we'd have to go to episode 416. So, I don't know, 365 has a nice ring to it. You know, it's like a year of podcasting. You could listen to an episode a day, and God bless you if you did. And you would, it would take you a year to get through all of the wonderful things we've done. And that's just if you started with the reboot. If you wanted to go back into our original TOS, the original series, that's like another dozen episodes or so. Yeah. 14, I think. Was it about 14? I, something like that. 12, 13, something like that. I can tell you right now, I I probably wouldn't do that if I were you. But, you know, you could. <laughs> if you just want to listen to there. constant distortion of <laughs> of of our voices. That's right. You can you too can listen and pretend you're listening to a podcast at the McDonald's drive thru. You know. Well Matt, I had a great day today. Uh, I decided to watch Rubber and I I believe this is a film that we both enjoyed. Um I, I hope this is a very civil conversation. Oh, well, of course, as long as we can remember to do things like, you know, Noah Scotte. 
and talk about all those wonderful things when we get everything right. Yes, oh, that's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> that's, guys guys and gals, that's that's literally what we sounded like. It was pretty bad. Um, my my daughter barely made it 15 minutes. <laughs> and she loves me. So, <laughs> uh, But yes. So, I don't know. Um, we, we're officially back from our break, just in time to say goodbye. <laughs> You know, but how how was your how was your break, sir? How was how was your time off? Well, I gained a solid ten pounds over the course of two weeks. That's um pretty impressive, sir. Is impressive really the the correct word to say? I don't think so. I think so. I, it might be a little a little I, sad. I mean, I felt no, great until on, I got now. here. You had to work through. You had to work through an entire keg of beer on just one day. This is true. You you had to make sure to drink heartily with your friends nearly every single day. This is true. You had to celebrate and eat foods and stuff. And the fact that you managed to pull that off over all that time and only gain 10 pounds... That's pretty, that's impressive. You did all right. Okay, I didn't really gain 10 pounds. It was, it was probably 5, or but it felt like... 10. See? Now you're making it even better. Five pounds. I ate Mexican food twice in one day. One day. <laughs> so, you know, I guess That's, it could be worse. The best part is, is that sentence was technically correct. <laughs> <laughs> I ate Mexican food twice in one day, one day. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted the audience to really, really hear those dot, dot, dots in between the That's one right. days. Uh, but That's no, it was right. nice. Get, get the ellipses going. Right. I mean, we had some nice time together. We hung out a few times and uh, did. drank pretty much those few times. Pretty Well, actually, no, no, two of those times. we No, actually the drank. last time, yeah, the last time it was just a polite, uh, you know, it was, it was a polite setting at a restaurant. So we could not drink as much as we wanted. Though we did have a friend who was able to grab a Chardonnay, so that was good. In a plastic glass, a plastic wine glass. Was it plastic? Yeah. Was it plastic, yeah. really? Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, that's hilarious. I I thought it was just a simple, you know, cheap glass, wine glass. I didn't realize it was plastic. That's hilarious. Oh, I don't realize, I don't know how friendly the restaurant was since they literally throw rolls and muffins at your head. Okay, let's, come on now. That's like the gimmick of the restaurant. <laughs> Is to you know they have hot throat rolls. We we don't want to you know misrepresent right. that entirely. And I, I love the restaurant because I grew up going there. The original location, you know, I've been going there for twenty six years. I think twenty six, twenty seven, twenty seven years. But I, wow. th- there's one aspect of that lunch that I would love for you to entertain our our audience with our favorite listener with okay and that is the dish that you ordered because i was very (laughs) surprised when you were telling us about it but i was expecting them to say oh no sorry that was just a special but because they quizzed you over what was in it they made you that dish specifically for you i guess they did uh yeah they they have a they have a special there called the mac attack and it is a hearty bowl of homemade macaroni and cheese where they take a grilled chicken breast and put it in there and then also they take real just complete chopped bacon and so you've got this real true bacon macaroni and cheese with a grilled chicken breast that they've sliced uh, in it, and then you just you know slice it up a little bit further and mix it together and go, and it was fantastic. I mean, seriously, there. I'm not a super huge fan of just anybody's you know air quotes homemade mac and cheese. This joint can make some macaroni and cheese, people. Um, and then the fact that they use like real bacon, like I was just expecting them to have, you know, some finely diced bacon that they had kind of mixed in with the macaroni and cheese. And then that's the bacon macaroni and cheese they give you. No, no, no. These people literally take like strips of bacon and then just kind of hack at it (laughs) and then throw it in the macaroni. And that's your mac, you know, your bacon and macaroni cheese or whatever. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it, I was pretty impressed because I was like, hey, the last time I was here, I saw this thing. And I had missed it the time that I was there before. The time that I was there before, I'd had their chicken fried steak, which was also good that time. Uh, that original time that I was going back to check it out after all these years. Um, and I saw the special on the way out the door. And I'm like, what the heck is a Mac attack? So they told me what it was. And I was like, man, I got to try that the next time I come in. And then here we all are. And I'm like, y'all, y'all still have that Mac attack? And the waitress was like, uh, well, yeah. I mean, you know what's in it though, right? And I was like, yeah, it was macaroni and cheese with like bacon and uh, grilled chicken breast or something. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's it. They made it. And it was good. I was trying to find this online, doing a good old Google search, but it looks like somehow the restaurant called Islands managed to uh, erase all trace of this. But some years ago, there were all these articles about the worst food items to order at a restaurant. And at least Islands is in Southern California. I don't know if they're elsewhere across the country. But it's like a burger place. You get cocktails and drinks and you get pastas and salads. It's a fancier chilies, if you will, maybe even slightly <laughs> better quality. I don't know. I've only eaten there once many years ago. But I, I wish I could find it. But on their menu, at least a few years ago, they had some kind of pasta dish. And it, it had the most calories than any other food item at any other popular chain restaurant. And I believe that pasta dish, the calorie count was 4,000 calories. I could Holy be completely crap. wrong, but it was something astronomical. Okay, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I, I don't think that the calorie count was 4,000 calories in that bowl of macaroni and cheese. I mean, I'm, I, I grant you, it was not the healthiest thing in the world. Oh, what you got? No. I mean, it was a decent, <laughs> it wasn't a crazy huge portion either. Just correct. Yeah. That, I mean, it really was, it was the perfect, it, it really was the perfect size portion. I was nicely full after finishing it. Um, and I did have two rolls beforehand of the, the throwed rolls, as it were. And they said chicken breast, but really they put a whole chicken in it. Maybe that's what threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I'm sorry, I still love that, uh, you know, whole muffin man. <laughs> you better run as fast as you can. Can't catch me. I'm the muffin man. I'm the muffin man. Yeah. Yeah, the the old wife got a kick out of that guy. She was laughing every single time he came out getting warming up his arm to throw some muffins. And the best part was is that the guy's voice is so good because we were there long enough just kind of hanging out and talking that he ultimately had made, you know, a couple of passes through, no pun intended. And so he kind of repeated a line or two, you know, of his spiel. And even the second time you hear the same spiel, it's still good because this guy is just like, he's totally into it. Yeah, committed. So, yes, makes it fun. Makes it a lot of fun. So, and, uh, yeah, so it was good times. I, I definitely enjoyed that. And, uh, looking forward to the 31st. Uh, and uh, the weekend of the 31st, so hopefully we'll be able to hang out. You should sneak back out here. You and the SO should sneak back out. Why? What's happening on the weekend of the 31st? We're getting together with the other couple that was at the lunch with us, and we're going to try and make a weekend of it. Oh! That's what we were talking about at the event with the keg. Oh, when yes. We started talking about that, yeah. Yes, that the event with the keg. It makes it sound like it was an event <laughs> where the ke something happened with the keg, like it blew up. <laughs> well, it was it was larger than expected. So that, was, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> what a great thing to be dealt with. You know, we were expecting a pony keg, but they gave us a full keg. It's like, oh, that's wonderful, but that means we have to drink all of it. <laughs> The additional gallons of beer. <laughs> uh, sorry for talking in all the code, people. We, but if if nothing else, you should be able to ascertain um, that we did have a fantastic time together over the break. Uh, as well as getting to spend time with our families and uh, do a bit of traveling for each of us. Uh, my, my family, uh, we went out to San Antonio the weekend after Christmas. And... Um, my eldest, we have finally cracked our eldest, 
got a phone for Christmas. So that has happened. Oh, boy. And, yeah. And believe me, you, we're all over it. We got software on the thing, <laughs> monitoring and all that good stuff. Um, but we're using a service. We're using a service that provides a modicum of privacy. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to be respectful. The, the <laughs> rule of thumb, the rule of thumb is we will do our best to respect your privacy, but your privacy is not guaranteed. So we have software that we're using for her phone, um, that lets us know when it catches things that we need to be aware of, but on the whole kind of lets her use the phone. Dudes.com. Yeah, basically. Muscle hunks. <laughs> yeah, but but because it is the first phone, you know, it's like, hey, we need to know your password and stuff and, you know, that kind of thing. And we have safeguards in place. We're the best as we can. You know, we understand that it's a bigger world, but, um, you know. So we're dealing with that, but um, do you get anything cool for Christmas? Oh, um, well, I don't really have to worry about the wife ever listening to the show because why is she going to start at the last episode? <laughs> no, I right? mean, you know, we're. I mean, there's a there's a big. We're expecting a child later on in the year, so we there was kind of a mutual deal that we wouldn't uh, really go to far out of the way to get each other something big. So okay. the deal was to get each other smaller things and both of us just completely missed the mark. <laughs> As in you went too small or you just ignored the being it being small? I just nothing I guess really worked out. The highlight of her gift receiving from me was a tabletop pad that she can work, you know, like do computer work or write or, you know, do her journaling or whatever while she's on the couch, you know, okay. so whenever she has the baby night. So she loved that. And I got and the other highlight was two three pound bags of gummy sour gummy worms. <laughs> <laughs> the slippers I got her didn't fit something else that I got her didn't fit. And, you know, not that big of a deal. It was just, oh, well, I can tell you didn't like that. OK, I'm just going to take it back. That's how it was. Yeah, I got uh, actually did pretty well. I I, um, I got the wife an entire bathroom set. She had been wanting to redo our bathroom for a long time, so I got her a complete bathroom set. All the towels, the hand towels, the washcloths, the decorative towels for it, the shower curtain, the liner, new rings, the bath mat. I mean, anything and everything you can think of that you would need to redo the bathroom. How about and, the carpeting uh, thing you put over the toilet seat? That was the piece de resistance. Are you kidding? Of course, you know. The P, as in the piece de resistance, because you pee, it gets pee all over it? Well, that's the, well, no, you're thinking of the one, you're thinking of the, uh, that little U-shaped shag carpet that goes around the base of the toilet? Yeah, that's the one that gets But all the, the one on top of the it. lid does, like, I mean, uh, carpet touches the Are you peeing seat. on top of the lid? Who does that? No, but I'm if pretty you... sure I lift the lid up before. I'm right, but, you know, every <laughs> once in a while, a little spittle gets on the, you know, the, the part of the seat where that closes on top of. Therefore, that, you know, that little spittle. And I'm only saying spittle because it could be vomit, shit, or pee. You know, oh, that okay. can then get on the toilet seat top shag. <laughs> I guess, but I thought that the best part of the gift giving myself for this whole bathroom set was the, you know, the the vinyl, the the vinyl cushioned um toilet seat, you know, where you you, you remember those from like the 70s and early 80s like your grandma had the <laughs> the the vinyl covered cushion seat so when you'd sit on it and it would go whoosh, when you'd sit down on it. <laughs> yeah, those always freaked me out, especially if I plot my buns on one nowadays. It's like, how oh, they old still is make this them. thing? Oh, they do? Yeah, they, they still make them, and I almost got one as a joke. I almost <laughs> got one, but I was afraid she would think I was serious, so I, I did not do that. <laughs> I would have put one in there just to see what the kids thought of it. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, no, no uh, in all seriousness, there was, there, there's no carpeting anywhere at the toilet. <laughs> uh. Well, if you're wondering why we're ending the show, 
Yeah. Well, there you go. Gonna... This... <laughs> you might be wondering, wait a minute. They, they keep talking about this being the end and the last show and the final episode or whatever. And I guess maybe we should take a minute and explain ourselves to a, to a little bit of a degree. Um, so Tim and I, we had a wonderful heart to heart. And we decided that we, um, we would, we wanted to end the show at a really cool number, 365, you know, like a year of podcasting, if you will. Um, but at the same time, we are kind of feeling like we're in a rut. Would you agree? Yeah. I, I would okay. think I, maybe, I don't know if a rut, well, I guess maybe. And so we're, we're just kind of wanting to rediscover the joy that brought us together in the first place and really kind of got us going. So we're going to be delivering pizzas again together. Yes, we're going to be driving, you know, 1,400 miles each way so that we can meet up together in New Mexico, <laughs> the New Mexico-Arizona border, <laughs> and deliver somewhere over there. Um, but... uh so what we've decided to do is we're going to take about a month off, okay? We're we're trying to keep this as short as possible. It might be a little longer than that, but when we kind of brainstormed this together a couple weeks ago, we're going to try and take about a month off, and we want to retool. We've already got some ideas. We already have some things that we want to work together to try and figure out, and we really want to put them in place and come back. Um, and have the show still be called the SLS cast, but uh, basically kind of reformat and have a new iteration to it. Um, and to give you an idea of the, 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 uh, basically kind of the direction that we're, that we're looking at going. Um, if you remember last year when we had, um, when, Tim was getting married and was having to do a whole bunch of stuff and we had to put a lot of stuff together so that um we could cover for while he was gone. We did themed stuff. We did some stuff where we did a month covering Ray Harryhausen. We did a thing where we did a month covering um the That's Entertainment series and stuff. And we kind of discovered that we really, really liked that that in a way that kind of niche um discussion where it's not about just what's in the cineplex all the time it's not just about whatever silly and gimmicky bonus segments that we can come up with it's about having fun talking about movies and the passions that we have that caused us to love movies so much instead of complaining and bitching about newer movies that we just honestly don't care about because they're just overblown and people just keep talking shit up hoping to polish it into something good when really it's not and then being criticized for not liking it yeah so that's what we're going to be looking at trying to find like looking at certain niches or certain themes and just kind of running with it for a little bit. Maybe we'll do them for like two weeks at a time or three weeks at a time, or maybe we'll try, you know, a month and, and just kind of look at it. So we, um, we're not just going to necessarily throw anything at the wall and see what sticks, but at the same time, we don't want to be away so long that we don't come back. So we're looking at, you know, maybe about a month. It might be a little longer. It might be a little less, um, to really kind of stick to something, you know, where we can talk about a really cool actor or talk about a career of a director or maybe talk about a theme, you know, um, like, like indie month or, um, horror month or something like that. Um, and just kind of do that. Now, that doesn't mean that we'll never, ever, ever talk about new movies again. Um, because we, because it might tie into a new movie might tie into the career or the aspect or the niche of what it is we're covering. So it's not like we'll never, ever cover new movies again. Um, but we just kind of want to, we just kind of want to do what we want to do. And I feel, and I think it's fair to say that Tim feels too, um, that we've just kind of gotten away from that. That's, so that's what's up. So this is the end of the SLS cast in its current iteration. But like the phoenix, it will rise again in its new, more glorious form. Well said. Yeah. 
And so on that note, how about we do our last movie discussion? Let's do it. Here we go, folks. It's the movie we we for the last time. We'll see. We'll see how that edits out. <laughs> Operative words being edited out. So, I mean, I know we really only have a couple movies to talk about, but there was something that I wanted to bring up to you, movie-related. Oh, yes. yes, Golden Globe, I think. Right? Yes, and I, we're not going to talk about the nomination, or we're not going to talk about the winners. We're not going to predict the Oscars or anything like that. I mainly wanted to talk about how the Golden Globes are being presented Specifically, how they are being presented with the words coming out of Ricky Gervais's mouth. And I was talking to Matt during the pre-show, just telling him, like, I'm a big fan of Ricky Gervais. Love most of the shows that he's involved with. Love uh, a, a, a handful of his movies that he has been involved with or directed or wrote. Um, I'm a big fan of his stand-up comedy. I think he's a smart man but a little bit hypocritical even, and maybe too cynical even himself. And I know Matt was able to watch some, uh, at le- uh, I don't know if all of the opening monologue, but at least snippets of the opening monologue. So I, I, he understands, he gets the gist of what was being said. And I watched the whole monologue. I haven't watched, seen anything else of the Golden Globes other than Joaquin Phoenix's horrific acceptance speech <laughs> that people are saying that, oh, he's being, that's honest, and that's he's speaking the truth. It's like, come on, he's just messed up on, like, drugs, or his medication isn't going well with all that alcohol he's been drinking that night. It's just, was very more unprofessional feeling, and I get how the Golden Globes is supposed to be the more fun award ceremony, especially when comparing it to the Oscars. Um... So I guess there's that. But with Ricky Gervais, he was on this mission to pull the veiling that has been blinding Hollywood from just real-life scenarios, I suppose. Yet his entire monologue was based upon harassing and making fun of these people by calling pretty much everybody hypocrites. Funny for a little while, but most of that opening monologue, if not that entire monologue, was him doing just that. Of course, they show, the camera shows you how people are reacting. Some people are laughing their ass off, enjoying it. I forgot exactly who it was, but then you look at Tom Hanks, not laughing at all. Ricky Gervais makes a couple of freaking stale Sophie Sophie's Choice references, which I'm sick and tired of hearing jokes where, you know, like something is a real Sophie's Choice. It's overplayed, even for Ricky Gervais. You see Meryl Streep, and she's chuckling a little bit, you know, playing nice and all that. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is that, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's Ricky Gervais's fault, because it is the the Hollywood Foreign Press who asked Ricky Gervais to be hosting this. And based on his monologue, I doubt he will be coming back. Um, I personally think it's important to have somebody hosting an awards program, regardless of what the awards show is or you know what it's about. You need to have somebody that at least in some way, appreciates what that award show stands for. And Ricky Gervais just does not at all. Um, I've seen all all of his other segments from the three, four, however many other Golden Globes shows that he hosted, shows that he has hosted uh, or had hosted. And there was at least the sense of fluff, you know, that he was at least having a good time and he was trying to, he was keeping the audience involved. 
this time around, it just seemed mean-spirited, and it just takes away from the fun of the awards show. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, do you, I mean, in some way, do you agree that it's important to have somebody that at least appreciates the art form that they're involved with? I mean, they're being the face of the Golden Globes. Okay. You've heard the, um, you, 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 I, I'm sure you have in passing, especially, you know, history minor and all that, uh, know about when Caesar came back into Rome in his triumphant uh, re-entry. Uh, there was the guy standing behind him going, you're not a god, you're not a god, you're not a god. To remind him that all this adulation, everything he's seeing, this experience that he's having is not to go to his head. He's got to keep it in his, he has got to keep some frame of reference because otherwise he runs the risk of being too self-inflated. And that was a true role. There was always someone, whenever someone would become, you know, would get, um, ascend to the role of the Caesar of the era, as they would have their big parade, that person would always be behind them. You're not a god. You're not a god. You're not a god. I think that's, Ricky Gervais's role. It's not that he doesn't appreciate the art. It's not that he doesn't understand that there should be some subtlety to it. It's that he's there to remind them that in this particular instance, they're all there to pat themselves on the shoulder. Just because it's via the Hollywood press doesn't mean that on its face, that's not what it is. Because it is, in fact, just another way for these people to pat themselves on the back. Whether or not you agree that it's well-deserved, I think that's a very good discussion to have. But it also solves a huge problem for the Golden Globes, which is ratings. People watch the Golden Globes specifically because they know Gervais is going to eviscerate these people. And it is a... Truly a catch-22, because if you don't have Gervais, then sure, the pomp and the circumstance is elevated. The artistry is celebrated in a more true-spirited way in the, in the spirit of what the awards are meant to be. But then nobody watches, so why are you having the Golden Globes televised? Whereas with Gervais, it detracts from the ability for the awards to actually have the meaning and impact they're supposed to have. But holy crap, do people watch them, tweet about it, social media go on and on and on about it, and talk about it for days afterward. And also the lead up to it. Oh man, what's he going to do? What's he going to say? How's it going to go? I mean, I get that. It's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, it it really is a tough one. I think that... But there's a wink and a smile that he usually does... I mean, I don't care. I'm just thinking of why I I, I wasn't completely impressed by it. Because normally he, like, regardless of, of, of his scathing comedy, especially when he's, I mean, let's making fun of something, there's always kind of like a, a wink and a nod to the audience. Like, you know, I know this is cheeky. This time around, he came across a little more belligerently angry than being cheeky just trying to have fun and i guess that's my big complaint because i don't want to go back and rewatch it type of deal where all the other ones i've come back over the years as a little refresher with this one it's just too hard i suppose and and maybe so and and to a certain to a certain point if he's not if he's truly not coming back then you it almost leads to the question of is this how he really felt the whole time? And I think maybe that's the truly most disturbing question you can ask. With previously, with the subtle wink and the nod, when he wasn't truly, a, you know, unloading with everything he had, was this how he really felt? Um, or was he just going full bore knowing he wasn't coming back? And I think that's, I think that's the harder question to ask because I don't know if people really want the genuine answer to it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting. 
the, to be to, to be fair, it is it, it is interesting. But then you have people who kind of go on to to not necessarily glorify what it is he was making fun of, but it's almost like it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy, a la the Joaquin Phoenix thing or um, the Jennifer Aniston comments and stuff like that. And then you're just kind of like. Were, were you not listening? <laughs> did, you, <laughs> did, did you miss the monologue? Did you miss the monologue? You were there, right? I mean, you know, so, you know, what are you going to do? I just would have loved to have been backstage during that entire show. Just Fly seeing if, I mean, like, was he, was Gervais just by himself? Or did he have his little cadre of people that he felt secure around? Like, I don't know what the tone of the rest of the show was. Or, like, how he was, so... Who knows? Maybe I'll just go back and rewatch all of his little segments. But then again, I probably won't because I don't really care. See, and thus is the beauty of letting go. You don't have to care anymore. If you want to, you watch it because you want to, not because you feel like you have to for something like what we're doing now. Yes. Let it go just like that one song from Shrek. (laughs) I always love that I need a hero number. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, then I guess let's go ahead and talk some movies here. Now, there were two movies we're going to sp- specifically discuss. Um, and one of them we already talked about. The other we haven't yet. The one we already talked about is Knives Out because both of us over the break went and took our dads, uh, to go see Knives Out. Now, we didn't do it together. It just kind of happened organically, but it was the second time for Tim and I to have seen the movie, uh, but it was the first time for our dads to go see the movie. In addition to my dad, I also took uh, my eldest daughter. How was it the second time? Was it as good? or It was definitely different. Uh, I saw it at that Metro Park AMC, that new one off I-45 mm-hmm. in the Shenandoah yeah, area. Yeah, by 242. Right, yeah. right. For those of you who live in that area, yay, everyone else, Google it, I suppose. The theater was packed. The movie had, I mean, it's still making money. I think every day it makes at least $800,000. And, but that particular showing was packed and not all, it was interesting. Not a lot of people reacted to the movie. I think the biggest audible sound I heard was when one of the characters called the, alt-right son or no 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 when the alt-right son called the girl called the the um the caretaker lady a anchor baby there was a there was a loud gasp in the audience and then the whole donut hole thing there was kind of a couple (laughs) snickers but that was pretty much it but i mean outside of that i really didn't care about anybody else's Uh, reaction to it because I was trying to focus and hone in on all the little bitty nuances that I didn't catch the first time around because I had no idea where the story was going to be taking us. So I had fun watching Blanc's reaction to different things and realizing that he was able to probably smell the vomit on her or vomit. He, he could maybe smell the vomit in the cup in the car when he's in the car next to her. Granted, you don't really see him sniffing for the vomit, but you have a feeling he can probably smell it. Therefore come to the various conclusions that he ends up coming up with later on in the, in the film or making at the end of the film. So it was just fun revisiting these characters. I actually liked this movie more the second time around. The first time I gave it a four, I'm giving it a 4.5. Uh, I, uh, I I made, I didn't complain, but one of my issues the first time around was that I felt Tony Collette, Jamie Lee Curtis, and all those other family members didn't get enough screen time, especially in the second half of the film. I do not think that anymore. I think they were well-placed in the film, focused on all the right people and their payoffs were just as good because of that. And the second time around, I quickly realized, oh, it's because the fi- the movie doesn't isn't focusing 
on these particular people anymore because the outcome does not involve those people until, you know, the reading of the will that brings them all, uh, I guess, back into the forefront. So I thoroughly enjoyed it a second time. And it's very well one of the best movie experiences I had uh, in 2019. And I guess the first part of 2020. Right on. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun for me. Um, You know, sorry, minor spoiler alert. So, you know, give this about 20 seconds and, you know, skip ahead if you don't want to hear it. It was so fun to watch um, LeBlanc or Blanc, whatever, um, look down at her shoes and he stops in mid-sentences and his eyes kind of widen a little bit. And then he just kind of carries on. So he kind of misses like a half step and then just keeps talking. And it's because he sees the blood on her shoe. And it's it's from the very, very first time that they meet on the porch, on that back porch. And like, oh my God, it was so perfect. And it's something you would completely miss in the first movie, in, in a first viewing. Um, but, and so it's tons of fun stuff like that, that I, that, um, I love to watch and see, um, a, as they go through the film. My dad felt that, um, it was a little slow in certain parts. Like he thought that it was almost too dialogue heavy. Now he still enjoyed the movie like immensely, but he felt that about, between half and two thirds of the way through that he felt like it was almost, uh, too much exposition just kind of to try and make it more, uh, complicated than it needed to be. But that was his only complaint. He said it was still a fantastic movie. He was looking forward to taking his friends to go see it when he got back into town. Um, my daughter absolutely loved it. She thought it was totally fantastic. Um, and so it's definitely something that really has the ability to, I mean, you know, you, you got 12, 42, and 64, um, and everybody's enjoying it. So, I mean, this is something that I think the reason why the movie has such legs is specifically for that reason. It works on a variety of levels and it appeals to a genuinely mass audience. So naturally, it's no surprise that there's a sequel coming oh totally there's a hundred percent going to be a sequel i think ryan johnson either today or yesterday today being january 7th came out saying that he's hoping to start the sequel uh mid this year because i think already see knives out came out on november 27th and already it's made a hundred over 130 million dollars in the u.s in $117 million nationally, worldwide box office intake is over $248 million, and that's on a budget of $40 million. So I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be cool to see if this turns out to be a cool little whodunit franchise. Yeah. Who would have thought a mid-budget you know, movie where you actually care about the writing and the characters gets legs and makes tons of money. Who knew that that might be possible? God bless it. I mean, this is literally what we've been screaming for for like the last three years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who knew? Oh, wow. What a crazy idea. It's just too bad we have to follow this up with the next movie. Unless you love the next movie, then I guess it wouldn't be too bad. Oh, yeah. No, everybody's always... Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to finally discuss Rise of the Skywalker, just letting you know. <sighs> um, do we even bother with the trailer at this point? No. I think it's just no, going to be a lot of loudness, I, and you hear Palpatine uh, yeah. cackling. Yeah, it's not like most people... The majority of people have already seen it, and if you haven't seen it, you at least have an idea what it's about. So, all right, so everybody keeps asking me, all my friends and um, co-workers and other Star Wars aficionados... Oh, Matt, did you, have you seen it? Did you see Star Wars yet? Did you see Star Wars over the break? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I saw it. Oh, what'd you think? And I tell, I'll tell y'all the exact same thing I tell them. Well, it was a movie. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Um, I, I, I tell them 
because I, I've had people who tell me they liked it. I've had people who tell me they didn't like it. I had one person who said they were mad, like they were actually angry about it. Um, and what what the the funny thing was is the person who said they were angry about it is 28. So I mean, this is like right in the middle of the wheelhouse for someone who was who grew up with the prequels, you know. Um, I uh, am just kind of. I keep telling people, you know, like, look, if you just go in with the understanding that since 1984, no director or every director has completely disregarded the previous director, then you're okay. You know, um, th- then you'll be okay. The second thing you need to remember, and 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 think about it, ladies and gentlemen, when the prequels came around, George Lucas completely disregarded everything that Irving Kirshner had done and all that stuff um, because he was surrounded by yes people at the time. The prequels came out. They are what they are. Um, they they don't have the legacy that people had hoped would happen, especially at Lucasfilm. Uh, we come around to episode seven and J.J. Abrams pretty much just dismisses everything that Lucas had done. We get to episode eight. And Johnson completely ignores pretty much everything Abrams had done. Uh, we get to episode nine, Abrams comes back and pretty much completely ignores everything Johnson had done. So you're getting everything is completely disjointed. It's totally disjointed. So, um, it, it's, it's completely evident that they did not have a plan. They did not have a story arc. They were just literally cobbling this together as soon as the ink dried from the deal back in 2012. Um, so again, you just go in with that understanding, you'll at least make it through the film. Um, the other thing you have to remember, especially if, especially if you are in my age group, it's not your Star Wars anymore, people. It's, it's just not. It's not your Star Wars anymore. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just not your Star Wars anymore. Um, you go in with that understanding and you'll walk away just like I did. It's Star Wars movie. You know, it was a movie, all right. Um, my, I went with my oldest daughter, uh, who is a supreme Star Wars fan, let me tell you. Um, and she laughed. She was on the edge of her seat. She cried. Um, she sobbed. She rejoiced. She walked away from that film, and she was like, wow, what a great movie. She loves this movie. And you know what? That's great. And I told her, I was like, that is so fantastic. I am so happy that you have come away with something that has be- has had a truly positive impact for something, for a franchise that you love. I think that's fantastic. I think it's awesome. Um, But it's just not, you know, for someone like me, it's not your Star Wars anymore. And you have to be okay with that. Um, so... That's, that's, that's how I come away from this movie. It's, you know, it, it simply is what it is. It is a disjointed mess. Um, it's not really well paced. But you know what? There's a lot of wink, there, there are lots of winks and nods. Um, especially if you were someone who kind of knows the Star Wars universe a little bit beyond the films. And I mean, you don't have to be like super hardcore about it, you know? Um, if you, but if you know a little bit about the Star Wars universe beyond just the movies, there are, there are a lot of winks and nods. Abrams did really go to some lengths to make sure that people, um, would get, that, that there was a little something for everyone in there. But the problem is that when you give a little something to everyone, the sum of the parts is less than the whole. Um, you know, so there's that. The fan service is there. Um, the trying to cobble together what you can, what you can based on, um, Carrie Fisher's untimely demise. No one would want that. No one would want that. I truly believe they did the best that they could. Short of just not having, not doing it, I guess. Right. Um, which unfortunately they were pigeonholed on that one. There was no way to not. Again, it it was a movie. I I truly, and from the bottom of my heart, I give it a three. I liked it well enough. There's absolutely nothing special. There's absolutely nothing um, 
fantastic or great, but it is not the worst thing you're ever going to watch. It is not the worst of the nine movies. It is just all that was left that they could do with what they had to work with. So I end my discussion with this on a three. That's it. And I'm done. I release and I walk away. How about you, Tim? I definitely liked The Last Jedi more than this one. The Last Jedi had some pace to it. It felt more like a fleshed-out movie. J.J. Abrams is a good, a very good idea man. He is a just-fine director. He is a crappy writer. And I wish they brought back Lawrence Kasdan and his son or somebody else to write this movie. Because holy crap, a lot happens for the sake of moving the story along. I think there are very interesting ideas, but they're never really fleshed out. Because plot points, and then you have MacGuffins, they are introduced around every flippin' turn. Like, many instances of peril and difficulty are toned down a great deal... To keep the movie, uh, uh, to keep the to keep the movie going, to keep the story moving along, like when they infiltrate the Imperial ship, and they just run out, guns blazing, easily taking out every single stormtrooper, because there's only a few stormtroopers there, which doesn't make sense, because in A New Hope, when they land the Millennium Falcon in there when the tractor beam brings them in the movie at least the story they take time hitting all these dramatic tense beats where they realize okay well we're going to be boarded by these stormtroopers because there's hella a lot of stormtroopers on this ship so we gotta hide so the movie takes like five plus minutes or however long it is for them to show them hiding the stormtroopers come onto the ship, they come out of their hiding spots, take down the stormtroopers, put on the stormtrooper outfits, and then try to pretend to be stormtroopers, you know, as they're still trying to navigate through this base. The, this is like a huge ship, huge docking area. There are stro uh, stormtroopers, there should be stormtroopers and admirals and generals and whatever patrolling the entire area. Yet they're able to, in this film, they're able to leave the ship, guns blazing. Stormtroopers had no idea how this ship got onto or inside of this ship. Uh, or onto their ship, I should say. And they're able to get to where they're going with, with ease, for the most part. And again, they did that for the sake of moving the story along. Because a lot of shit happens for the sake of moving the story along. Um, the movie also creates many issues when they alter the Star Wars lore, like when Rey uses her Jedi powers to heal wounds. Why did J.J. Abrams need to introduce more Force powers? I don't know. Why is Harrison Ford appearing as a Force ghost when he wasn't even a Jedi? I don't know. I mean, in the movie, they make these half-assed attempts of explaining these things, but it just doesn't make sense. They quickly provide the audience with these very shoddy explanations and, uh, and quickly move to something else. So they're so 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 nobody can feasible, nobody can ask questions because they don't have time to. Um, so they didn't have time to, you know, think about that stuff. But I will say that little moments really do stand out. I really like some of the places, the planets that they visit. Very atmospheric feeling, yet they don't really spend much time at these places to fully enjoy. I really liked uh, Kylo Ren. I liked Adam Driver. I do like... Ray, everybody in this film is cast nicely. But what they are given, 
I did not enjoy. <laughs> I mean, really, the only characters I cared about was Kylo Ren. But little moments do stand out, and I can't really remember them because they are quickly followed by something loud and, I thought, inconsequential. Other story elements that didn't make sense. Did Palpatine conjure 10,000 Star Destroyers? Okay, he did. He conjured them from underneath the planet, from within the planet. But then who were the people working inside those Star Destroyers? Did he conjure them as well? And who was Palpatine? Was Palpatine... I uh, I listened to uh, this podcast where this one guy had a theory that Palpatine was the original Palpatine. Uh, in, in Rise of Skywalker, that's the original Palpatine, whereas the Palpatine in, the, uh, in Return of the Jedi was a clone. And all clones derive from the Palpatine in Rise of the Skywalker. So... Everybody working on these ships, were they a part of that Palpatine or were they, I don't know, they just really, they don't, they fail to provide any coherent, feasible logic when previous films in the fan tri- when when previous films in the franchise do to an extent, um, and overall, because of all this, the film looked and felt too fantasy-like, and not a really, and it, uh, and it really didn't have enough of that sci-fi fantasy that was grounded in a real-world setting, where you have people who still have to build things. You know, I mean, how how constant they had to repair the Millennium Falcon in this movie was humor humor was humorously bad, you know? Yes, they had to repair the Falcon, but it just always felt like, okay, well, they're going to easily do that and do the next thing where the Falcon breaks down, and they're going to have to repair it again, but it's okay. It's just, you know, they're able to do it with ease. Um, but I can talk again for it at length about what I didn't like about some of these characters. Uh, the Leia archival footage, it was incredibly obvious that Carrie Fisher was not on set for any of this filming there's obvious use of placing her face from one of the two previous movies onto a body double or a cgi altered body lando calrissian there is no need for him to be there character appears for the sake of just appearing and adds nothing else to the story uh, same can be said for the new droid that's introduced dio no point He's not even a merchandising gimmick because it's not that attractive or memorable of a droid. Uh, Carrie Russell's character, Zori, when she she is introduced, is established as an old flame of Poe Dameron, Dameramorans, provides a MacGuffin and exits the movie all in what felt like 10 minutes, you know, just to lead to the next set of setups and not and forced payoffs, I supposed. But again, I liked Palpatine being revealed as the main bad guy and the one who was pulling all the strings. Even though I didn't really, it wasn't really clear as to how he and why he was there and who exactly he was, I did like Rey being Palpatine's granddaughter, not a true Skywalker, and I did like how she adopts the Skywalker name at the end of the film. And I also enjoyed seeing C-3PO as being a part of, uh, of, the, of the core story and having some purpose, which is something I wanted all the way back in the prequel series. And it had, it had glimpses of something very good, and yet that's all they were, were just glimpses. So I give it a 2.5 out of 5. I checked my watch about 8 times just ready to get to that Palpatine uh, uh, last act or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, I do want to end this on a happy note. What would you rate Knives Out after your second time? Still four and a half. I gave it a four and a half first time around. Okay. No change for me. I had faith the first time. <laughs> but did you... <laughs> I, I forgot what you rated The Last Jedi, but of what you can recall... Did you enjoy that one more than this one? Hang on. I'm pulling it up here. 
Star Wars The Last Jedi got a 3.75. Okay. Uh, you gave it a 2.75. Oh, but then I saw it again, and I liked it more. A little more. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, either way, uh, you still gave it a higher rating than Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> um, I will say this. If you recall uh, the first half of the movie up until um, Emo Darth kills Snoke and they have their fight, I almost walked out of the movie. And then the back half of it from that point on completely salvaged it. They were finally doing their own thing. They were finally taking off the... You know, that they were completely unfettered from anything else. And Johnson had finally painted a way for this franchise to finally be its own thing. Um, so that's what salvaged it. Um, literally that back, that back half of the movie, you know, completely changed the rating for me. But no, I mean, it was just evident from the get go that it was that that this movie was just not going to be anything like it should have been and i for one was not happy that palpatine was it i don't care if you want us to do the whole ring theory thing that george lucas introduced with it back in the prequels uh, none of that um this whole thing needed to be it's it, it was fine to keep a couple of the elements like Letting Luke kind of turn into the new Yoda or the new Obi-Wan or whatever. You know, bring back those elements so that people can see it, but make this about, make this Ray's journey, make this Finn's journey. Um, and they just, they just didn't do that. So I, I was not, I was not pleased that Palpatine was the bad guy. And I really only liked it because of, I like Ian McDermott. And I thought him playing Palpatine is always interesting to watch. But the character, the use of his character added, a, I thought, a welcoming, sinister tone to the film that otherwise, you know, with, with the direction they were going, they would not have, uh, you know, they, they were they were not going to achieve, you know. So, mm. you know. I don't know. They started off so well with Snoke that... Um, it could have been great, but we'll never know now. So. Oh, no, anyway, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I agree. 100% agree with you. I'm just talking within the confines of Rise of Skywalker. But we don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, I guess we've done it, right? We did it. We made it. It's, it's, it's over. It's done. Until we come back and compare what was the bigger disappointment, the new Star Wars movies or the Hobbit trilogy? Ooh. Yeah, no, that Hobbit trilogy, that, yeah, I'm sorry, that's worse. You think so? I really liked yeah. the desolation of Smog, Smaug. Oh, Smaug. Smaug. Oh, mighty Smaug. How amazing you are, Smaug. Nope, sorry. I can't, I can't. Nope. <laughs> then I guess one last time. I guess it's time for the spiel. <sighs> spiel... On. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. White man's burden, Lloyd, my man. White man's burden. Say, Lloyd, it seems I'm temporarily light. <laughs> How's my credit in this joint, anyway? Your credit's fine, Mr. Torrance. That's swell. I like you, Lloyd. I always liked you. You were always the best of them. Best goddamn bartender from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine. Or Portland, Oregon, for that matter. Thank you for saying so. Well, the music you've been listening to, as always, has been brought to us by our music partners, Cries of Solace. Thank you for all these wonderful years of music partnership. You can find them at ReverbNature.com and Facebook.com, both slash Cries of Solace. As for us, we are, of course, the SLS Cast. You can find us at SLSCast.com. You can send us an email to the show at SLSCast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can follow me, this is Matt, on Twitter at NitTwit12345. You can, of course, come aboard that information superhighway and track down Tim on Twitter, if that's your heart's desire. Don't forget, you can always subscribe to us 
us on iTunes and our favorite on Stitcher Radio, as well as track us down on the old Spotify and Google Play and other podcast directories. If you'd like to support the show, please head on over to Patreon.com and check us out over there. And so until we come back, I'd like to leave you with the words of Billy D. Williams, who thanks to him, I get to say this. Actually, I believe in everything, including astrology and tarot cards. All of it is just another way for people to try and tighten the link to the spirits in our universe. I believe it exists for all people. Take care, cinephiles, and we'll talk at you again. Madam, perhaps we should be going. Oh, farewell, monsieur. Thank you so much. So nice to see you. And I hope very much we will see you again very soon. Au revoir, monsieur. Thanks again for listening to the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. You can find us over at slscast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can send us an email to the show at slscast.com. And of course, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. Thanks again for listening.